What is going on? Welcome to the episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I was your host, Ruckman. With me this week, it's just Chris. How you doing, just buddy? Just Chris. That's my new name. Place the, instead of It's Christmas, it's going to be Just Chris. Well, you know, it's not not a uh, we only got Chris here. It's I only have Chris here this week. Right. Ricky is uh, Ricky took a one way flight to Vegas, and hopefully we'll see him again. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. With all the uh, yeah, I, I can't. There's no there's no Vegas appropriate jokes I can make uh, on this. For thing. this but jo- let's just say you can have a wild time in a Taco Bell in Vegas. How about that? That's right. All right, so uh, you know, gonna be an interesting episode. Honestly, gonna be real with everyone. We're, uh, the, the, the tanks are running empty this week. Yeah, we we just finished watching an eight-hour marathon of SWAT cats, and our tank's empty, you know? That's right, yeah. The jet fuel's gone. Uh, we have no biker rats to save us. There's nothing. But that doesn't mean there isn't stuff to talk about. So what we're going to do this week, we are going to take a look at what, uh, what arena is passing off as the answer to their problems with not Pioneer, uh, then we are going to talk about the challenge results. We're going to look at some spicy league necklace. And then, hey, uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming standard challenge decks like Blast. And we're going to go ahead and give some budget upgrade ideas. And honestly, look at these deck lists. There was a lot going through my mind when I was upgrading them. This could be something we maybe revisit again in a few weeks when the decks release. Maybe price adjust. Maybe we just have other takes on the decks because at least the two decks that I upgraded this week I definitely had some options in how I wanted to handle my upgrades, so I could keep going with how to upgrade them. If we don't talk about them here, maybe I'll throw them up on the Playing Pioneer website uh, with an article. I think you made a great point there, because like, really, as I was building it too, I was like, man, do I want to try and make any themes of these decks around like newer cards? So like, hey, look, here are Kamigawa cards you could potentially play, and it really would have warped the strategies and, and made them probably less competitive. So we, I think we both went for the more competitive aspect um, as far as like how you can upgrade these to get the most bang for your buck. But man, I did put some thought into like, oh, well, how can I search this to include some Kamigawa cards? So like you get more standard cards for, for so those of our viewers or listeners that play standard and Pioneer, you know? Um, but again, ultimately, it just it didn't it didn't wind up in competitive enough, or you would have to change out way too many cards. I think I wanted to keep at least some solid you know play sets of cards in these decks so that you could at least say, hey, look, you got something from buying these. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll talk about those after we get to the meta. But let's get things started by talking about what is passing off as well. They're not passing off as the replacement for for the fact that they don't have a good paper-like format on the on arena but it's currently their their test and chris what what killed magic this week and what is the the answer i guess to wizard's problem that they're sort of trying out in midweek magic this week two two things killed magic week the first thing is at some point uh in your lives uh to all of our listeners this is me just me and the listeners right now recommend okay you're not here all right okay i'm not here Listeners, at some point in your life, you're going to have somebody that you care about who's going to get into some bad stuff. They're going to make a lot of bad choices. They're going to maybe get on some substances that aren't so good for you. Then at some point, one of those friends... They're going to invest in NFTs. That's, yeah, exactly right. Then one of those friends is going to turn away from that and instead do something slightly less bad, but still terrible. Maybe another substance, maybe other choices, whatever it is. And you're like, well, good for you. Because you're not doing the worst possible thing anymore, but still, it's nowhere near good. 
right? It's still, we're still crashing and burning. We're just no, not nosediving at a million miles an hour anymore. And that's what Wizards did this week by announcing the blast from the past is what I assume Ruckman's talking about. That uh, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, format, which is half an ear. Unfortunately, not the Brennan Fraser movie. <laughs> right, right. Who we all, who we all know and love. Uh, it's it's half an ear, right? It's it's about half of Pioneer. We're starting from Ixalan. It's the sets that are on Arena that are... It's the sets that are on Arena that were standard legal that right. aren't remasters. So right. we don't have the Kaladesh, we don't have Amonkhet. They called them standard sets, which confused me, but it's like, okay, at some point, these sets were standard playable. I was like, all right, okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. And and again, you know, this is a nifty thing, but I'm just not sure how I'm supposed to feel about it, Ruckman. Maybe you can clue me in on how I'm supposed to feel about this, because part of me is like, maybe I just have to play it and, and hope that they'll think Pioneer is a good option, but then maybe I'll go, they'll go, see, we don't need Pioneer, we just need this thing. You know, and, and I just don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. How am I supposed to feel, Rickman? I mean, that's essentially how I feel about it. I'm like, yeah, like this could go over great, but this could just lead to laziness and just be like, you know, we don't we don't need to keep adding old sets. This will just be Pioneer now. This will just be the new format now. The other thing about this is, you know, obviously it's just a midweek magic, like two day event or whatever. So they didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. Not that I expect a lot of effort in a lot of things they do anymore, but they just said every card that was banned at any point in standards is just banned now. Yeah, right. Including cards like Rampaging Ferocidon is on the list. Yeah, um, yeah. Growth Spiral, you know, from when it was banned for like, what, like the month before it rotated out? Yeah, I hear you. I, I do think that for a two-day event, it would be way harder to try and go through and balance things. I kind of like the the Master Duel thing where it's like, you know what? You can play any freaking thing we've got here, at least as a one-of, you know? And you guys sort this crap out. And I think that, you know, the problem you saw when, like, Hearthstone would do that in, like, some of the little side events they would do where it's like, hey, just play this thing, whatever busted thing you can do that we allow you can do, is it did it did lead to fairly, like, homogenous uh, metagames. But at the same time, like, it's a two-day event. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know, you know? But uh, I understand this one because it is such a short event. Like, how much effort are you really going to put into put that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, they they just had to flip a couple switches, and that's kind of all they had to do. Right. Punch a couple hamsters, poke a couple hamsters, whatever you got to do. Yeah. They probably punch hamsters, let's be honest. If this does well, hopefully this does spur the push once again for for Pioneer. Look, like, my big thing is after this, don't get complacent and just say, yeah, this was cool. Like, yeah, this is great. I want this. I want more of this. What you need to say is, I want more of this, and but you know, get, let's get to pioneer with it. Right. This is the time where we make friends with our local neighborhood pitchfork and or torch salesman, and and get that ready. You know. Yeah. I don't know that Ricky ever put his away when it's come to some of the digital products that they've been releasing uh, instead of pioneer. But you know, hey, if you haven't been, make friends. See if you get a little discount. See if you can little buy one get one free action. You know, something like that. And then let's go. And hey, part two of what killed magic. Oh, I, I don't even know if this part two is going to be. This part two on. is just the minor update we got on the Pokemon TCG, which we did have a lot oh, of fun okay. playing for a while, which is just another event that, you know, is going to come out and be 50 times better than Arena. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Master Duel is consistently kicking Arena's butt in every in every category. And I do think that the Pokemon TCG is the same. I might check it out too. I don't know that I, you know, I don't have time for any of those games, but uh, yeah, it is the, I, I know we talked about when it first got announced, yeah. but essentially for those that haven't heard, um, they are going, the 
they're going to re they're going to launch a new version of the Pokemon online game, but it's kind of a side upgrade because they're going to keep the current one going. And if you so choose to, you can permanently migrate your account to this new one. The big difference is, you know, it's got graphic overhauls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but instead of the current trade board econ system, I think it's going to a dust system. Right. Is is sort of minor. I haven't read too much into it. That's kind of the gist I got. So, you know, it'll be curious to see how much longer the current version keeps getting supported. But, you know, the fact that they're letting you migrate your account system over, I think, is a really big deal. Oh, yeah. The people that were reading about it were, were telling us, because I didn't have time to read all the way into it today, that the, the plan is for it to be mostly free to play. And it's going to be kind of Wu-Tang Clan style, where the point is to support paper, right? The, the, the online isn't making their money. It's that you can have something to play. They still want you to buy packs. Those are still the main loot boxes they want you to do. We've all come to expect to accept loot boxes in the form of booster packs. We're fine with those. We've, we've kind of accepted them. So that, I think, is the way that, that they're going to go. And uh, I think it's pretty smart. Like I said, I've been playing a lot of Master Duel because it's free to play and zero of Arena. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to migrate my account over, uh, but I'll definitely check it out. I will say that, like, you know, between Master and all that kind of stuff, uh, the Pokemon online game might have my favorite, besides Momer Basic on Mitgo, might have my favorite... Um, way to play the online TCG in just like the the starter deck leagues. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's totally it's a totally kind of fair thing, right? And a lot of times yeah, you play here, but but it's it's a little bit slower. Because that's the problem I think with, with Yu-Gi-Oh again is that the the format well, with speed. Pokemon too. Yeah. Well true, true. But Pokemon's a little bit as I think you can like tutor a little more like every deck can seem to do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have less problems with the way Pokemon does it, but it definitely is, you know, hey, you're gonna look at your whole deck when you when you cycle when you play a game right there's a lot of tutors there's a lot of things like that so yeah i agree all right well ready to jump in to some challenge results yeah sure all right let's get started with saturday's challenge eighth place we have slasher 21 with is it phoenix seventh place we have pepe team on esper grease fang on uh and of course if you haven't listened to last week's episode make sure you go listen to last week's episode where i talked to carnage cards ent jesse's a great Great guest. We'll have to have him on again at some point. Talk about Grease Fang, talk about whatever he's got going on. And I believe he's also working on a future article for Playing Pioneer about that deck. Give everyone Ooh, a little Esper Grease Fang. Fellow Cowboys fan. So fellow Cowboys fan. Fellow Cowboys fan. Uh, sixth place, Mental Misstep on Is It Phoenix. Fifth place, we have Be Real 2 with our Rakdos Blood list. In fourth place, we have House of Mana MTG on Four Color Ascendancy. In third place, we have Cure Canada Cure Canada yeah, on Azorius Control. In second place, we have Kaburb, uh, usual testing partner of Connor Man on Esper Grease Fang, and Will Pulliam on Rakdos Blood. In first place, taking it down. So um, we talked a little bit about the Rakdos Blood decks last week. Honestly, like. Oni Cult Anvil is gross, and as I was telling you, I bought the Rakdos meta, mana base because I do think, like, Rakdos mid-range can be really well-positioned right now, which is the amount of removal it's playing, because let's be honest, people aren't playing a lot for removal. Um, and uh, I would definitely build this deck, and I might just get the pieces for this deck because the rest of it's pretty cheap, except for I'm probably not going to buy the Mean Hook Massacres because, come on, why is this uh, <laughs> Commander player's 
why you make this card so expensive? Yeah, yeah, that and, and again, my, my Great Henge dreams where it's like, hey, this mono green deck is uh, a whole $40 uh, until you get Great Henges in there. Then it costs $600 or something like that. It's like, golly, not quite that much, but Great yeah. Henge is like 60 bucks. So, you know, yeah. Three hundred dollars, I guess. That's uh, something close to that. Uh, reprint this card into the ground. Yeah, for real though, for real. I'm I'm so excited. I you know I have several uh, decks. We've got a couple decks all the way built and a ton more halfway built. And that's just and a you'll have to, uh, like anytime I want to finish a deck, you'll have you'll have to bring them for the wedding because we'll have some downtime before on the day of. So I'll have to jam. I know. I know. Cameron's gonna bring some pioneer decks. So uh, yeah, make sure you bring some pioneer cards. Oh heck yeah, let's do it. All right. So, um, anyway, eighth place we have Is It Phoenix. Nothing really new here, which is sort of classic Is It Phoenix, still doing its thing. Not uh, not really rocking the boat here, it looks like. Vandal- Ooh, actually, Vandal Blast in the sideboard, looking out for that uh, that in Soul. And I think you'll notice, I didn't mention in Soul <laughs> in this top eight. Now, I think there's only one copy of it in the entire top 32 of this event. A lot of Orzov auras, though. Um, I think everyone now realized Kai's Ghost Form working uh, means green light is on for this deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think especially when you look at, you know, although in general there's not a ton of removal out there, like Phoenix plays some removal in red. Uh, your Rakdos decks are typically packing a little bit of something. Any control deck obviously is. So, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. like your auras aren't like, you know, it's when you don't play against it, the, they tend to have very little outside of the sideboard, but the, a lot of decks are bringing a main deck, right? Gen Sacrifice has ways to get your guys, so some of your white aggro decks are playing Brutal Cathar, so there are ways to get some stuff, and when you're loading up hard on one creature and you kind of just get got by a removal spell, you're you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip over... Let's see here. So we got Esper Grease Fang. You know, uh, I, streamed the rat, I streamed the rat deck on, on Monday... Um, <laughs> I was not feeling my, my attitude in that stream. So it's probably not going to make its way to the YouTube channel. Uh, but I'll probably run this deck back at some point because while I don't think I'm like, I was talking with Chris, I, you know, I love this deck. I think this deck is a ton of fun to play. It's probably not the deck I'm going to personally take to a big event, but it's a deck that I definitely enjoyed playing and I can see why it is good. Yeah, again, I, I like the control aspect into like a combo finish. I am mm-hmm. on uh, God Pharaoh's Gift, so I'm probably not switching over because I, I like the build that I have going for that. Um, if I ever get some time, I'll, I'll throw an article up on it. Um, said leg, and I, I just switched positions. I got myself a, a nice, uh, a sweet little, a sweet little spot going. But it is quite a few hours, at least right now. While I'm kind of the the main breadwinner again for the fams, and we've got a lot more fams living with me now. So. Uh, as part of that, content's going to be coming a little slower than I was hoping, uh, even just a few weeks ago, where I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll have some time to throw some community stuff together and do some articles. But at the same time, you know, at some point, if you're wondering what I'm on right now, that's the main deck I'm messing with that I'm brewing on. And I also have red-white that I'm playing a lot, too. So, Yep, and uh, let's uh, let's bring it up to fourth place here, House of Man MTG, because I do want to talk about four-color sentency here, picking up March of Otherworldly Light, I got to say. You know, I don't like seeing no sounds in the main board here, but I do like March of the Otherworldly Light in this deck. Um, you know, whenever I was playing the four-color decks, I think Portable Hole and Chain to the Rocks, as great as they are, as effective as they are, Source of Speed really holds it back. So I do like March of the Otherworldly Light here, being able to pitch, you know, your holes, your Chain to the Rocks, 
uh, even an extra ascendancy. Right. If you if you have one sitting around and just be able to like as a really good catch all answer to a lot of things at instant speed, which you know normally people aren't used to this deck having access to. Yeah, I, I totally think that. Again, I was saying when we were looking at these cards, Ricky wasn't a believer, but I think you and I were that a lot of these cards are just good just to cast them. Like they're just good effects. And, you know, no, March doesn't hit everything, but it hits a lot of things. Um, Artifact Creature Enchantment is are most of the hate cards you're trying to hit, right? Yep. Um, so I think when you look at it that way, the only one that I really want to pitch to is, like, the red one, because I kind of want to pitch it at one. I just trade this card for another card sometimes. And it's card disadvantage, but I, I think there's an option there. The rest of these, you really just want to cast them for the amount, because it's, it's pretty yeah. solid. The blue one's a fog. This one's good. Um, I think those are most of the good ones. I think this one, the blue and the red one are the only ones that I, I do think are playable. But this card is just good because the amount that it hits. And again, in a real pinch, you have to kill something, especially decks like this that are really fragile. You're willing to do it. The card disadvantage is worth it. I do think that, you know, we talk about all the time, card advantage is pretty important in Pioneer. You're typically winning by attacking. But this is one of those few combo decks that can kind of be that exception. And and you're really trying to capitalize on your fragility by saying, hey, I don't care how many cards I've got. As long as at the end of the day, I have my ascendancy and my creatures and my spells to go off. Um, I just need to protect that. So again, March, super, super good in that case. Sure. Uh, let's move on up to third place with Kier Kanata on Azorius Control, picking up for the Wandering Emperor. Now, again, another innovation I love is picking up Wandering Emperor with this deck. I mean, now instead of just, hey, you pass, leave your mana up, Hey, I can counter something. Now instead of countering something at the end of our opponent's turn, now we can just play a threat. Now we can just play a way to end the game, right? Play your Wandering Emperor, you minus end turn, make a Duder. Next turn you just have to keep plussing it up or just make a second creature if you need to. Um, also just, it's a rule spell with some built-in life gain on the minus two. I, this card's great. Imagine if History of Benalia cost one more and had Flash. Ooh, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good comparison, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, it makes stuff. Like, yeah, it, it ticks down, but again, you know, you're only getting so many chapters on history, but I think you, you look at it that way, and the fact that it's got, uh, uh, you know, end of opponent's turn, right? And then again, on my turn, do it again. I, I think that's the killer part. It's not just like, oh, I played this on my opponent's turn and activates again on my opponent's turn. I just, I get a 4-4 four, four instantly. I, I mm-hmm. got to play a little a little mini Night Pack Ambusher type effect, and and I think that's pretty hot. Right. I mean, that's 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 what I'm looking for as far as a threat. I think that I'm really huge on Holebreaker Horror, but that's the thing that I really like that. I think if there's any mid range decks out there looking to play white, this card's a threat. It really, really is. And I've really liked what, what I've seen from it so far. For sure. Uh, second place, we have Kaburb on Esper Grease Fang. We're playing the Karn package instead of the um, the Tezzeret, the Tezzeret's uh, Betrayal Flesh there. What, what do you think? Are you, you Tezzeret or Karn package here? Now, I will say I'm not quite sure yet if Karn is fixed, uh, but I'm definitely more interested in Karn once it's not bugged anymore. Yeah, I think that is, is a huge metagame call because I think obviously the more of the um, in soul deck that you're going to see, the better Karn gets. And I think the more Grease Fang that you're going to see, the better Karn gets, right? The more you're going to see the mirror, because as as I understand it, some of those abilities will be will be shut off. Um, I don't know if yeah. Cruise counts as an activated ability, right? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I, that I was thinking. And then um, I know that some of the the other stuff you can do, like the Bankbuster, which I saw in like some other decks, 
you know, it shuts off your Bankbusters. That that's kind of being popular on. on it shuts off uh, Anvil. It shuts yeah, off. Yeah, in combination with TFK, was my thought. Which is so. which is oven. Yeah, yeah, and the Jun Sacrifice deck, right? Yeah, yeah. It does a mm-hmm. lot for that. It doesn't get all of Jun Sacrifice, but uh, because unfortunately, I think Trail of Crumbs is an enchantment. But yep. you know, you you get those upsides there. So like, you do get some just like random utility out of it, which I do think is interesting. Um, my money is on just against a random field. I prefer Tezzeret right now, but we'll see how long it lasts. Again, I think there's yeah. a lot of metagames where, you know, you're going to see Karn be the better one. For sure. All right. And then first place, we have Will pulling up playing our Rakdos blood deck list. Uh, I, I like where this deck's coming along. Picking up Volta- Voltage Surge. You get a one mana mini Shrapnel Blast now is pretty hot. We, we've talked ad nauseum last week and just how good Oni Cult Anvil looks like it's going to be as a one card cat combo um this deck's gross and like i said a few minutes ago i would buy it if i didn't have to buy it if uh it wasn't for meat hook massacre yeah i really think that there's potentially a chance my, my thing is that the meat hook massacre is an enchantment i think that as the artifacts come out in the coming sets this is really going to be a deck that you want to look for um don't forget culligan's commands destroys artifacts i got got by that nate culligan's commanded me and destroyed my god pharaoh's gift in one of the testing games that we did uh, which was which was fun to remember, uh, but yeah, I think that this deck only gets better. And again, it's so cheap, right? You got your thought seizes, you got your meat hook massacres, which is just like for your sack stuff. But again, if we pick up better artifacts and we want to go that route, uh, and maybe you want to play Grixis and we don't need the meat hook massacre, man, uh, I'm dreaming of a future. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think the red black deck is one of the more expensive two color mana bases. Um, Blood, Crypt, hmm. Blood Crypt's up there. Haunted Ridge is kind of up there. Yeah, if you want an earlier. Uh, yeah. Not to say that this shouldn't dissuade you, because I do think that it's a good mana base to pick up if you want options. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't feel bad biting the bullet and buying the Rakdos mana base, because, you know, I could play Midrange. I could play Arcanist if I wanted to try to bring that deck back. You could maybe go into Blood. You know, there, there are plenty of things to do with the Rakdos mana base, whereas... You look at some of the other mana bases, you're kind of locked into one thing, right? And I think the Rakdos mana base started off pretty poor um, some number mm-hmm. of years ago. And now it's really good. Now that we got the uh, the pathway for, for Red Black and the uh, Haunted Ridge, which is better, obviously, in the decks that want to be a little more mid-rangey. I think this, you know, it went from one of the worst mana bases to begin with, along with like Red Green, some of the allied uh, mana bases. And now yeah. I think it's one of the best ones. You really want to be playing Den of the Bugbear. It's one of the best man lanes that we've seen. And, you know, I don't know how we want to play both Hive and Den, but I'll, I'll trust uh, Will Pulliam over me. They're the one who won the event. But again, you know, really, really good mana base as far as having the colors that you need. All right. Well, you're ready to move on to Sunday's Let's challenge. Let's get it. All right, in eighth place, we have Palin with blue-black control. Seventh place, we have Kali 2 on Rakdos mid-range. Sixth place, we have Hamuda on Rakdos blood. Fifth place, we have McWinsauce on Rakdos blood. Fifth place, we have Tunak Tunak on Rakdos blood. Third place, we have Snoo Snoo Rick on Is It Phoenix. Second place, we have Smidster on Jund Sack. And then... First place, we have Fnoop on Hidden Strings. Uh, man, uh, I didn't bring it up last event, but uh, are we still are we still Lurus Watch on? <laughs> I just think that still, I just don't enjoy Lurus. Like, I, I just don't know what it does for us, you know? 
Yeah. And I do think it homogenizes too too many styles. It's like, well, where you might as well have to play the Luris because of the one chance that you're going to play it. But, you know, I, I played against two different Luris decks when I was testing against Nate. We had a solid hours long jam session and it just never came up. Like I got mine to my hand at one point and it just immediately died. Um, and then anything I was trying to target, they had a trick for. So it was just like once you were behind, it really didn't help me come back. And I'm sure there's an occasion where it does, but it's just I'm tired of having to deal with it, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as the Saturday event, but it looks I mean it made uh it made the top creatures in this one. So it looks like it showed up in forty four percent of decks. Yeah. Fair. So you know and it it's a discussion I think is always relevant in this format of does Luris homogenize things too much? Yeah, and again Because from from a power level, like you're saying, I think everyone thinks about the times when Luris is really good against them or for them. And they kind of block out the times where it just gets thought seized out of your hand. It just dies immediately, right? Because you do have to kill this threat. And maybe that's a sign of it is too powerful because you can't let this creature live for a turn cycle. But I would argue that the the impact of Lurus is more so stifling ingenuity and exploration of the format. Right. I, I really think that the companions were a really interesting idea. And I think if honestly, if it wasn't for Luris, then some of the other ones would be really fun. Cause I do like the, Hey, build your deck a certain way idea. I do think that's cool. The problem we've gotten to now is that Luris is the only real played one. You see other ones played cause it's like, Oh, well, Gigantha can be free or the Kahira can be free. Cause I'm just not playing creatures, right. Or wh- whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, but in general, like this is one of those bannings where I don't know that it's so strong. It's just it's the only one that sees play and it it, it was part of a cycle. So mm-hmm. I, along the times where we were talking about um, little Teferi, three fairy being banned, it's just because it wasn't good for the game. And some people, you know, thought we were just like, oh, the worst person ever for that. Uh, and we were right. A million percent. Right. Uh, Wizards agree with this. Most people agree with this. Pros agree with this. Uh, I, I think this is one of those times where I'm just I'm just tired of Lurus. Like it's just, it's just not interesting. I don't know what it does for the game, and so I think you know it's kind of a lame reason, I guess. But uh, again, it's homogenizing decks where it's like I want to see us explore the three drop. I don't want us to just limit limit our deck building options for that one time that the Lurus is going to be good. Uh, I just don't think it's good for the format, right? And I think it makes mm-hmm. a less interesting format. It makes a less healthy format. And for those reasons, I'm out. Yeah, for sure. All right, then. Uh, I mean, yeah, is there is there any deck in really in this topic you want to talk about? you want to talk about? No, the, we got a little party time. Sack. A, little, a yeah. little party time. I just think it's interesting that that uh, he was playing here and, and wanted to come. I know that uh, party loves the sacrifice decks. And anytime they're good, he'll kind of, all right, let me let me go ahead and play them. So I do think that that's pretty interesting. Uh, again, with mm. four main deck Karn here to stop opposing Oni Cults and whatever other shenanigans that are going to be uh, going to be happening. So I think that's worth noting. Um, I really do. You know who I miss? Who do you miss? Clyde the Glide Drexler. Oh, yeah. The Glide. Uh, the Glide just hasn't been around in a minute. If you're out there, Glide, come back and make my day again. Come back and make my day again. Um, The, the blue-black control deck is, is somewhat interesting. I like the choices. I like that you can build your control deck, particularly blue-black, in a lot of different kinds of ways. And again, I, I think that in my case, I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and build uh, Soltai, because I'm like, ah, why not? And I don't think I'm going to make it too different. I do want to make it more of a control deck, I think, that just, you know, ends on like a Nissa type situation. But 
there's a lot of different ways. You know, we're playing Sword and the Mirthless in this particular one. Um, a couple Thing in the Ice, which I do love, with, along with a couple Heartless acts. So a lot of different ways to build your blue-black control deck, which I think is not typically true with control decks. I think that a lot of them kind of end up tuned. You don't have a lot of cool options, but you can play Planeswalkers if you want to. You can play a few creatures if you want to. So I do think it's one of the control decks that I am really happy with as far as how diverse they seem to be. Uh, also, like, real quick before, before we move on to the leagues, yeah. big shout outs to Carnage Cards ENT, 11th place Esper Grease Fang, and then I forgot to mention 30th uh, on the last one. So double top 32s for Jesse there, who's now playing. Uh, there's another reason why I, I'm probably not moving the VOD over to YouTube uh, is because he's playing Silence now, and I love that include a lot with the deck. Yeah. And I forgot, and I, I played the wrong version. I played the version without Silence and didn't realize until the end of the stream that I played the deck without Silence. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's too, that's too funny. Oh, in, in ninth place, there is a really cool mono green deck that is playing Kogla, Kogla, the Titan Ape. It's like, and how do you not root for that, right? We've got some Voracious Hydra. We're doing, um, we're Nykthosing. That's what we're doing, right? We've got a bunch of Lana War Elves, Burning Tremissaries, Voracious Hydras, where we're trying to get to some old growth trolls and pack leaders to, you know, uh, maintain the ground. But we're trying to get stuff like that. We've got pack tactics there. We've got pack tactics essentially on Sorak the Hunt Caller. Uh, at the beginning of combat in your turn, if creatures you control have total power eight or greater, you give a creature haste. So I would have liked to see a certain 12-12 dino here. But other than that, you know, I, I love this. A couple great hinges, yeah. Vivian, and then, uh, you know, all the action you could want. So Coggle's going to come oh, great and, and get him. The great henge here does confirm that great henge is still like $2 more expensive than uh, Meat Hook Massacre per card. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Distended Mindbed in the sideboard. The Tarrasque. Okay, hold on. The sideboard, though. Yeah, I'm guessing we're we're Vivianing, right? The sideboard. Yeah, yeah, we're doing so the sideboard. So. The web. Yeah, Sylvan Primordial, Distended Mindbender, uh, which we have to cast. We can't uh, emerge it out. The Tarask. Okay, all right. I'm here for this. I'm here for the sideboard. The sideboard's hot. All right. Well, Chris, you know the leagues were the challenges. I'm not gonna say they're bog standard, uh, but you know they were they were uninvigorating. But what if I told you? We still had some sweet league deck lists to talk about. Oh, I'm ready. All right. Well, in fifth, pl- er, f- fifth place. In fifth place, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're tired. We're tired. These, these all got fifth They've place. They've all got fifth place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have Devious Penguin 666, Hold the on. Devil's let me, Penguin. Let me, let, me get, let me find the Pengu. Let me, I'm sure I will search Penguin, right? Yeah, Penguin gets me right to where you're talking about. Let's look at this. Yeah. Uh, we have Esper Flash. We have three Blacklands Paragon, two Brazen Borrower, four Dragon Turtle, four Slitherwisp. Four Spell Queller, three Kyodai, Soul of Kamigawa, two Notion Thief, four Fatal Push, four Silvergar Scorn, four, or two, sorry, Aetherize, one Settle the Wreckage, four Omen of the Sea, 23 lands. Man, <laughs> the second that there's going to be, like, again, this mid rangey white deck yeah. uh, that is going to play the Wandering Emperor, I know this is a lot of fours, but also Settle the Wreckage. Ooh, buddy. Because here's my thought, right? If you're an aggressive white deck that wants to be casting four drops, which which most decks aren't, but if you're going to get there, right, and, and your fear is like, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to be attacking kind of in the mid-range, and I'm going to kind of try and outclass my opponent, but I still might lose to some aggro. Well, I'll tell you what, when you start swinging all out, and your opponent swings back at you, and they see that you're kind of some kind of aggressive deck, they're never going to be thinking about Settle the Wreckage. Never. 
I, I forget that card exists all the time. And I think when my opponent's just swinging at me, again, a smart player might go, wait, why did my opponent just leave themselves like way wide open? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But most players are just going to attack into you all happy, like, oh, you must have maybe some removal spells or something or some kind of thing. And then they're going to get settled and then they're going to cry. Okay, but who's going to play around Aetherize? Also, this sideboard, we've got Containment Priest. Like, oh man, like this this deck is sweet. Uh, where are Wandering Up to the sideboard? Maybe we just didn't have them. Uh, I, I love that Dragon Turtle and Kyodai turn on our Silumgar scorns. You're darn right. Yeah, we got the Turks here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mostly I'm excited about the, the Settle the Wreckage and just kind of like the mid-rangey flash deck. I think that's super hot. And Kyodai, I forgot about Kyodai. Kyodai is pretty, uh, pretty cool, right? Another permanent gauge is struggle for as long as you control Kyodai. So there's some, like, removal uh, interruption, uh, a, a pseudo counterspell, because, uh, you know, a lot of decks are playing at least some main board way to take out your stuff, whether it be... Um, you know, like the sack decks, right? They're going to be dealing sure. a lot of damage to things. A couple of fatal pushes falling around. This isn't going to stop any kind of um, like brutal cathar shenanigans because it gets indestructible and not hexproof. But you know, there's quite a few ways people are doing to uh, to kill your stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, come on down to mm, food. Playing at an Abzan tank agrees. Fan, we got four stitcher supplier, three Seder wayfinder, three voice resurgence, four grease fang okiba boss. Three Thoughtseize, three Can't Stay Away, four Deadly Dispute, four Grizzly Salvage, four Blood Fountain, two Asika's Chariot, four Parhelion, two and some lands. Um, our sideboard, uh, nothing really. Ooh, Eilon Rhetoric, that's pretty spicy, the sideboard, Coloring Ritual. Uh, so I got asked this a bunch on stream and then sort of in the Discord. I know the Discord's been going back and forth. Um, I do love the Magical Christmas Land aspect of this deck list. In that, yes, you can technically turn to the combo, uh, but I still personally think I like the Esper deck better. Um, and just due to consistency, just that deck being around, just a lot of card drawn discard that you have control over, whereas this deck is a lot of just randomness to it. Um, that is to say, I say consistency, but obviously. In the stream, we played the Esper Grease Fang deck. Sometimes you, you do just see the bad side of the deck, and that's just variance already. But consistency, I mean, we just have some control over the, the plan here. Yeah, I, I'm pretty interested just to uh, to look at how we can play, you know, again, some of that kind of controlly style and and look at doing um, some Thought Eraser type shenanigans. I think that's one of the reasons that that good old fashioned uh, inverter was so impressive was it was going to kind of control you out and really d- disrupt your hand. And by that it was stopping it's, you know, uh, your answers to its plan. It was like, all right, I'm going to, I've got some answers here, but I'm also going to clear the way to make sure you can't stop my combo and, and get you. So I know we've got thought season, most of these decks, and then we're really dedicated because we, we are kind of a, a two card combo here, just like, uh, you know, inverter was kind of but inverter you know you just had to have your you had to have seen one of your other cars right either your jace or your whatever mm-hmm. because then you flipped your graveyard versus your your deck essentially right so yeah um but yeah then I, I think being a little more disruptive is pretty interesting all right well let's move on down to night night one three one i know claudio also played either the same list or a similar list uh, with some five-color humans. Mm. Uh, we have two Hopeful Initiate, four Thraven Inspector, two Catilda Dawnheart Prime, two Lubernark Aspirant, four Thalia's Lieutenant, three Thalia Guardian of Thraven, three Werewolf Pack Leader, two Adeline Resplendent Cathar, three General Kudro Draneth, four Mantis Rider, four Reflector Mage, 
for Collected Company. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as I saw Claudia 5 out with this deck list, with Five Color Humans, I uh, immediately went and bought four Foil Mantis Riders. See, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I like this really cool. I, I'm a little surprised that Mantis Riders good enough as the three. Well, I mean, that's definitely just a throwback to the modern version of the deck, right? But also, I mean, just like three, three Flying Vigilance Haste. Yeah, I mean, it comes in and just gets people, right? You can't be front side um, fatal pushed, which I guess is something. Yeah. I will tell you from personal experience and the reason that I am, I, I may have to switch off depending on how much better Grease Fang is than than uh, Godfrey's gift. But one of the things that makes Godfrey's gift so good is like your early package is, is really supposed to be a lot of reflector mages and um, apparitions to mm-hmm. get rid of your opponent's stuff to kind of buy you enough time. Reflector Mage is so good. And I keep thinking it's been reprinted more than once, and it really hasn't. So definitely, if you can, find your Reflector Mages. I do think they're good in multiple decks. And it is just, that is just an insane card. It's so incredibly good. Yeah. I, I do think there's still just a, a non-spirits-focused ban- Coco deck, like, you know, hitting multiple, gre- hitting multiple, not Grease Fangs, multiple Reflector Mages. It's just been gross every time you do it. And then, like, when you get some uh, Skycat Apparition plus Charming Prince shenanigans in the mix, there's nothing. Your, your opponent just cries. Yeah, again, and and I really think that this deck has some really interesting things going on with it. I do think that that blue white humans could also be fine. I really do like Werewolf Pack Leader. I think you know drawing cards is, is is obviously huge because one of the ways you lose is getting out card advantage if your opponent has more answers or has whatever. So just that extra way to kind of hey, here's some extra cards is nice. Because um, I've, I've been playing. Go ahead. Okay. No, I just I've been I've been playing pack leaders in my Slesdy Humans build for a while now, and they've been great. They have been great, yeah. And I just again, I'm just so excited. We got Thalia to mess up our opponent's plans and just be annoying. This is one of those decks that uh, I really just think would give if you wanted to mess up uh, a certain wonky wombat, right? And to give a little prelude to some of the the upgrades we're gonna make like a Thalia-based creature deck that can kind of interact with your opponent's board and still thoroughly beat down with some positive combat interaction, like some various abilities for first strike, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would give Burn a run for its money. And then, and I guess you've got to play Kudro because it's the human's lord, so that makes sense, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, right below it, we have Not Kajal on uh, the Naya Stormhell deck list. This deck's been popping around for a little while now. If you haven't seen it before, it's a big, fun combo deck with Storm Herald, uh, Colossification, and Burning Anger just to make our opponent dead. Uh, the deck's goofy and also just annoying when it happens to you. Uh, it's happened several times to me, I would know. Uh, below that, we have Oddly Uneven playing Boros Humans, uh, Companion Lures of the Dream Den, four Kithian Hero of Akros, four Monastery Swift Spear, four Luminarch Aspirant, four Thalia's Lieutenant, four Thalia Guardian of Thraben, Three Gods Willing, three Lava Coil, four Lightning Strike, four Chain of the Rocks, four Kumano Faces Kakazan. Oh, yeah. This is pretty interesting. Did, did I get a chance to talk about, again, I'm really tired. Did I get a chance to talk about the red-white deck that I was testing against Nate and the changes that I would consider making to it? No. No, you haven't had a chance to talk about that. Um, because I think that the red-white, you know... Um, Featherless Feather, essentially, a deck that I have built. I do think that it's great the way that it is, and and most of the time I wouldn't change things. I really don't know about the land count because, like, it definitely feels like at 19 I'm either just flooding or screwed every game. I I just – I don't find much consistency. But in that, when you play against a lot of the popular red-black decks that I do find around in in several metagames I've visited, we do get a chance to kind of travel around and and visit various stores. And I see a lot of popular kind of, like, red-black decks – 
I do think that a different build would do better because so far I've actually been pretty unimpressed with Defiant Strike of all cards. It just doesn't do enough. And what I've been looking for is like more ancestral anger, anger effects. And I realized the reason I wanted that was trample. It's like if your metagame has a ton of creature decks, I think that uh, Luminarch Aspirant is the, or sorry, not Luminarch Aspirant, um, the one mana zero one that I love that, that uh, prowesses for plus two, plus two. Lumamancer. Lumamancer. Yes. That's the one I'm looking for. I look sort of Luminarch and I wanted the Lumamancer. Uh, Lumamancer plus like the one mana red spell that draws you a card and gives trample that used to be played in, in a lot of the prowess decks. I think that's a combination that I would look to. Also the Leon and Light Scribe um, and replace some of the other shenanigans you're doing just because, you know, too frequently you're kind of going on one thing and you can't get over your opponent's tiny threats, especially when you're talking about like Stitcher Supplier, little things that are just easy to block. You don't want to go blowing a God's Willing to like get through blockers a lot of the time because you're really trying to, you know, you can, if you're going to win the game, but a lot of times you're just trying to get through and we're doing that. I really think those extra effects for trample do matter. So if you're in a meta game with that and you're kind of wondering why you're struggling, I do think that's why I, I frequently found that I was struggling to get over something and more trample effects, I think are the answer. So not against every meta game, but against creature heavy meta games, I do think that could be a change you could look to make. Very good. All right. Uh, Urban Pope five owed with rogues. We picked up uh, Daguchi Silencer, uh, Moon Circuit. Wait, what's that card called? Uh, Daguchi Silencer. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dokuchi? I don't know. Dokuchi? Do- <laughs> I, I thought I heard uh, I thought I heard Dokuchi Silencer, and I was like, what? <laughs> what is that card? I mean, you know what that is. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's over on that other Pioneer podcast, you know? <laughs> Playing four uh, Master Split of the Silver for a Master here. And, uh, yeah, so it uh, looks like we got some rogues, a little bit of updates. Um, we got some ninjutsu guys coming in here. That's fun. It is fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to be excited about. This this metagame is so incredibly diverse, and there's a lot of fun decks you can build. But, and I think the cool part of that is, again, like once you get over the hump of the lands, which I would build as many beta bases as you can, obviously build your favorite deck first. But, again, the metagame kind of changes every set. And, that, and that's what I think is interesting about Pioneer. There's different decks you can play with every set coming out. Not every deck I think is tier one. Sometimes we get a little, you know, a little jabated into thinking a deck's really tier one when it's just kind of the flavor of the week. But you build yeah. your mana bases. The rest of the decks are so cheap. You can really just start building a new deck whenever you want or keep playing your old one if you like your old one. Um, but there's a lot to be excited about. The mana bases are definitely a speed bump because I would say every time you're switching to a new two-color combo, you're looking at a about a 100 to 120 dollar investment if not a little more depending on the color combo um you know you've got like spire bluffs are a little more expensive now so blue red could be a little up there breeding pools are kind of up there price wise so um you know you're looking about like 50 to 70 bucks or so for your shock lands every time you switch over and then you've got like 20 dollars or so for pathways and then you know you got to think about your fast lands so you know, every time you're switching color combos, you are looking into that like one to one fifty, depending on how good you want your mana base to be. Yeah. Uh, but again, if you look at some of these color combos, you buy one mana base and you can take it a lot of different ways. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think I think in your two color combo, whatever you want to invest, I think that. Right now, it seems like red black gives you the most because then, like you know, you could theoretically extend it into green. 
and then play like some Coco decks, right? Like once you get that three color combo, red, black, green, you get a lot of different aggressive decks, a lot of different mid range mm-hmm. decks, more so than I think right now any other color combination. Again, Orzov, some... Orzov gives you auras and humans. Yeah, blue white you can build into control spirits. Very true. I, I still um, think I would prefer the base. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's close. There's a lot of good ones. And again, that's why in, in my case, it's like, you know, I'm just started trading back for all the shocks I used to have. Yeah. And I don't quite my, have my all of them. My problem with the Jun base is there isn't a very good standalone Golgari deck to play right now. Uh, hey, that, one, that break... one person would like to disagree with you, that mill deck. Okay, well, you know what I mean. Also, Bridger is going to have something to say about that. You can't let okay. Bridger hear you say that. I'm sorry, Bridger. It yeah. has to be said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's out there. We just don't see a uh, bridge or break in the MTGOs just yet, but it's going to happen. All right. Well, if we're going to talk about uh, getting the format, though, on a budget, oh. how about instead we talk about buying in for having a deck for like less than 100 bucks? Wow. I just want to say what a freaking segue that was. What a freaking segue. Good job, Rucker. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about that. So, you know, obviously Challenger decks come out at the beginning of April, uh, literally the day before I get married. Um, we had some asks of how would you upgrade them. And like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, these are just one way of taking them. I will talk about some ways I could take each of my decks that I upgraded here. Um, we are going to be talking about these under the assumption that right now they are selling on Amazon for 20 to $25, depending on the deck list. Uh, so I'm assuming, you know, when these hit store shelves, they'll be 25 30 bucks. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we each sort of ended up with a $50 upgrade process. So, uh, you get a lot of cards, 50 bucks for these decks. Yeah. At least a lot of main deck cards, right? Like I think, you know, there's some, there is some mana bases we would prefer to upgrade. Uh, but then you start looking at, you know, oh yeah, $200 once you get all your lands in there, depending on, on how hard you want to go. But at least for like main deck, Hey, can you change these and, and compete and still do something? Uh, yeah, these are reasonable options. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll link these deck lists in the description, just like we do with the events and stuff like that. So, um, And like I said, if, if people like these, if listeners enjoy these and we want to hear a, either maybe up to $75 upgrades or up to, let's say, hey, take these decks in another direction, because I do think you could multi-take these decks in plenty of ways, we could potentially do that, you know, for the week these drop, maybe a week after or two after. But, you know, this is going to get you set up for about 75 bucks into the format. With, uh, with an okay foothold, I think. Yeah. So uh, do you want to go first? you want me to go first? Yeah, we can just go in order of okay. uh, of the way they – oh, I guess we'll talk about because my, mine are the top two on the thing. Yeah. Um, and so in this case, I as I always do with my little ADD brain, I, I kind of go a little more freeform with this. So um, I listed cards that I really wanted to have in the mono white aggro deck. And the way I do think you want to take this is humans, right? The most powerful cards in this deck – are humans. Elite Spellbinder is one of the most powerful cards. Now, again, Sky Kill of Apparition is, is the one exception. And you could keep a couple of those if you wanted. I, I left that as your option when I was looking at this. There's a couple of cards that, hey, if you really wanted to keep them, you could. Here's the cards I want to add in. And then, obviously, there's some cards that are, are just pretty obvious cuts. But, you know, we've got our two Thalias, right? Humans. Intrepid Adversary, human. Luminarch Aspirant, human. Um, those are the most powerful cards. Redain, I'm going to cut in my version. If you really need it, then you can play it. We're obviously going to get rid of our Monk of the Open Hand, Usher of the Fallen, uh, the non-human things. You could theoretically keep uh, Code Spell Parrot Cleric if you're balling on a budget because we're going to get rid of like this Paladin class nonsense. You can keep the two Fate Flavins if you want. So the cards I want to play 
are uh, Banalash Marshall, which are like 50 cents a rare right now, right? Brutal Cathar, surprisingly, also about 50 cents uh, or or maybe a little more than that right now. Um, I want to play Chaplain of Alms as one of my one drop of choice, which runs about 25 cents a copy. Again, you can find it for cheaper, but a lot of your local game shops will charge you just, you know, hey, this is what it cost me to sort them. So I assume 25 cents. Dauntless Bodyguard, I thought was another solid uh, one of. Uh, or sorry, one mana drop. Uh, Thalia's Lieutenant, obviously, we've loved that card every time we've played it. That card is so good. Runs you about two bucks a pop right now. I do want to play four. I want to play one more Intrepid Adversary, running us about $4. I do want to play four Kytheon. I do think that's a an interesting way to get a little a little mix-up of, uh, of a little Planeswalker action going in there. And then finish off our play set of regular Thalia's. And all of this is going to cost us under $50 to add in. We can leave our stupid snow-covered planes. You know, honestly, you could trade in your snow-covered planes for the cost of most of my upgrades. Hmm. You know, they're they're all the snow-covered lands because of how um, rare they are, like a buck a piece. And then again, you can play your Faceless Havens if you want to upgrade that into Mutavault. I didn't look up the cost of Mutavault, but you could, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I don't want to play this Paladin class nonsense or Kabir takedown. Just don't want it. You know, you can play it if you really want to. Again, feel free to adjust the, those numbers however however you want. But taking this, Ruckman and both and I both agreed into a more humans-focused deck list and mono white, I do think actually gives you a chance uh, in this metagame, and I do think makes the deck a lot stronger. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing, too, here is... Um... After you take it to upgrade it to the mono white, you could take it into Orzhov. You could take it into oh, huge. yeah, uh, Selesnya if you want. Um, I don't. Did, did you mention Adeline? I don't think I heard Adeline. Uh, so I have it at the top of my list. I wasn't sure if there was enough room for threes. I actually didn't catch it first that uh, we had Elite Spellbinder in here, and yeah. so I wasn't sure if there was enough room. But Adeline's another consideration that I had. It's also super cheap, so. Consider that if you want to, but I didn't want to just shove everything in at three, given that we're going to have um, already Elite Spellbinder. I want Brutal Cathar, you know, if you want to keep Redain or something like that. So if you want to throw an Adeline or two in there, go for it. But I wasn't sure if I, I should. I like two. Yeah, there you go. I think throw, it, throw two. I, 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 would, I would throw Adeline over Benalish Marshall. I think Adeline, or, or like a Splendid and Intrepid Adversary. Sure. Adeline, having, having played the human stack. Yeah. Adeline is very powerful. I will trust you on that. I have not played a, a ton more humans besides what we played Selesnya back in the day and discovered Thalys Lieutenant was insane. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I will go next yeah. talking about the Gruul deck. Uh, this one got a pretty big overhaul, and this is definitely um, taking this more into the traditional Gruul mid-range strategy of the format. Now, I do think this deck is trying to do something interesting with its um, token theme, it does play like you know Magda with Jaspera Sentinel to make some, uh, some extra treasure token combo here. You have Bribery Tracker that gets bigger with your tokens. Tobar's Huntmaster makes tokens. Uven Wild Oddity supports a big go wide strategy. So I do think there is a, and then obviously Ranger Class makes a token when it comes in. So I do think there is a fun token strategy you can make here by throwing in some Ravmasters and Legion War Bosses. And I was kind of working on the balancing act for that deck when I was doing these up, when I was uh, working on some alternate upgrades. So again, um, if people want to see sort of that upgrade path and that sort of $50 buy-in, I could list the cards out that I would consider buying. I didn't really fully finish the deck list for that uh, just because there was a lot of 
You know, do we keep the Jaspera Magnic package in? You know, stuff like that. I will also say here, uh, my deck list, I didn't include the value of this in my buys, but just get rid of the gold span. Yeah, sure. Um, or trade it off. Honestly, I, I'm going to be real. I, I currently have, and I have had four of the Gruul deck in a shopping cart on Amazon right now since these decks were announced, just because I keep thinking about the deck costs like a dollar or two more than the cost of the gold span in it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So if you have 100 bucks and you're looking for just stuff to spend your magic money on, this is pretty good, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, but so here's my upgrade path. So I picked up four Elvish Mystic, four Llanowar Elves, two Gruul Spellbreaker, three Domri Anarch of Bolas, four Bonecrusher Giant, one Clothis God of Destiny, four Mizium Mortars, four Crag Crown Pathway, four Game Trail, four Glory Bringer, two Scavenging Ooze, four Love Struck Beast, two Weathered Runestone, two Cinder Vines for 49.18, which leaves us with a decklist of four Elvish Mystic, four Llanowar Elves, four Bonecrusher Giant, two Girl Spellbreaker, one Clothis God of Destiny, four Love Struck Beast, three Uvenwald Oddity, four Glory Bringer, three Domri Anarch of Bolas, four Mizium Mortar, four Ranger Class, uh, four Crack Crown Pathway, five Forest, four Game Trail, two Lair of the Hydra, four Mountain, four Rock Fail, Rock Fall Fail, and then I'll leave the sideboard. You can kind of see it when you, if you want to look at the deck list. Um, you know, you might think Ruckman, you left, you you really just fully rebuilt the deck from the ground <laughs> right, up, right? And and I did, but I will say we still saved money on this because the Ranger classes alone cost us twenty five dollars. Yeah. Right, that's the huge one, right? Yeah. Uh, the big one is that there's several cards in these standard decks, and the whole reason we're doing this is you're getting your value from these decks. So because you're getting the value from them, you might as well pick them up, right? And then you can make these changes. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're making pretty big overhauls, but in each one of them, at least for the most part, you're getting you're gaining 20, sometimes more dollars in value a lot of the time. And that just makes it worth it to potentially pick these up and try and upgrade them for there. And then you've got a somewhat decent standard deck you can play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got that multi-purpose. Uh, yeah. So like I said, um, we'll link these. We just see what we did. And like I said, if we want to see them again, if you're interested, I can sort of give you the cards I would buy for $50 for the token upgrade. And you can kind of do with it as you will. But, you know, this deck's 100 bucks. We're in, in for $75. We saved ourselves 25 bucks, And we have... A gold span dragon to trade off. Right, right. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a little draggy boy there. All right, Chris, what do you got next for the blue black deck? This one again, you know, hey, like all things, kind of starts with the caveat. This one, I, I really think you want to upgrade the the mana base here, mostly with the watery graves. I think they matter a lot because we're not going to be using the snow mana base that they seem to be so in love with. Um, but hey, you know, you can trade your random snow covered lands. Well, this, off of these. this is the apology for not putting them in every pack. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, essentially, essentially it is, which I do understand. But I put water graves at approximately $1 million. I mean, they think they will run you 18 to $20. Last I checked, they could be a little bit cheaper now. But, you know, you ruin your upgrade with that. But if you've got them, I definitely would be playing them. Um, the cards we're playing in this deck, because like most of these decks, again, we're, we're placing a lot. The cards that we're keeping, we really want to keep. Memory Deluge, you can play the one of Infernal Grasp if you want. Um, we're not playing Thirst Discovery. You can keep the Sot coming. 
and you can keep, you know, a power road kill, whatever your favorite two mana removal spells are, because two mana is going to become as important as you can see. And then we're going to keep the Holebreaker Horror, and we're going to move these Graveyard Trespassers to the side, where I think they're absolutely fine. We're definitely not playing this uh, this Imerith, uh, unless, again, it's just your favorite card. So we're going to do a pretty big overall here, and what we're going to get out of this is a Thing in the Ice control deck, much like some of the blue-black decks you're going to see out there right now. Um, with a, a little discover the impossible action. I think this is kind of a fun way to take this deck. I've been looking to play this. So you're getting to play a lot of commons and uncommons with this build. We're going to play one Jace Prodigy uh, because that card is like under 10 bucks now or like 10 or $12 mm-hmm. down from like the 20 or 30 it used to be. So I think that's worth picking up as a one of because we have some budget to spare if we don't consider the watery graves for Thing in the Ices, which is, you know, at nine bucks, like $32 of our, of our upgrades. But then we're going to play Discover the Impossible at like 25 cents a piece. Heartless Act to combo with our Thing of the Ices, obviously, but also just a great, great removal spell. Uh, four Quenches, which again, you could be free. They're a common. Um, two Fatal Pushes at about a buck fifty a pop. Uh, and then four Drown in the Lock, which does cost you, you know, a buck or two. So that's $8. But now we're looking still again right around 50 bucks, just under 50 bucks for that total upgrade package. And what we're doing is we want to play a bunch of two mana. Um, disruption spells to get with our discover the impossible which is you know counts as two spells for our thing in the ice it also gets us more cards in the yard for our jace again if you have another jace and you want to play two i think that's totally fine because again we are replacing a lot of cards here but again you can play some of the random two mana spells here um, and then obviously i do want to keep the memory deluge i really do think that you want a card that can um get you more cards and i do like member deluge fine i don't think it's worth picking up the the dig through times if you don't have them um this is a card that you can just swap right between standard and pioneer and i do think it plays just fine i do think it's a really good card so uh this is again a deck that's going to be a little more controlling we're also going to keep our saw it coming so you're not going to hit 100 percent with discover the impossible but the thing i love about that is you don't need to right? You can get whatever card in the top five that you want that it allows you that it allows you to get. But just if you find that instant that costs two or less, and it happens to be a card you're looking for, again, quench for the counterspell action, or one of the removal spells you're going for, drown and lock for the counterspell action. I do think that card is very, very good. Discover the impossible is. And again, it happens to work great with our thing in the ice uh, kind of deck. And again, we're keeping that hole breaker whore because that card's obviously insane to finish off the game. So that's how I would upgrade our Demir control. Very cool. All right. Well, like I said with the Rakdos deck, the Vampire deck could have gone several different ways. Um, I think you could take this into a more mid-range sack deck if you wanted to, playing the Amersturm Predator as just a hard-to-kill threat. You could take this and just lean into the Vampire Aggro uh, with Vampire Socialite and stuff like that going on. But I took this in the direction of... How close to Rakdos Blood can we get for $50? And uh, honestly, I think I got pretty close. We get to play... Uh, uh, so I picked up one Lords of the Dream Dinosaur for our companion slot. I finished off her play set of two Oni called Anvils. Oh, this isn't my... Uh, this isn't my actual... My, hold on, this is the wrong version of the deck? Oh no, did I save the wrong deck version? <gasps> oh! Oh no, Mr. Bill, I think I did. Oh no, all right. Well, uh, anyway, so essentially uh, I saved us a couple bucks here uh, even on this because I, th- oh, I know what I did. Uh, okay, so anyway, so uh, we picked up three experimental synthesizer, four deadly disputes, 
one Soul Guide Lantern, one Dread Board, one Cole Against Command, three Terrarian, four Fatal Push, two Blood Fountain, two Hive of the Eye Tyrant. I'm going to have to fix this deck list because I, it saved the wrong version. Uh, but we uh, pretty easy fix, though. Uh, we get to play one Lurs of the Dream Den, four of Voldar and Epicure, four Blood Tithe Harvester, three Duress, four Pale, Fatal Push, three Voltage Surge, four Deadly Dispute, one Dread Bort, one Cold Against Command, uh, two Blood Fountain, three Experimental Synthesizer, one Soul Guide Lantern, three Terrarian, two Mukutai Soul Ripper, two uh, Oni Cult Anvil, uh, and then, yeah, we get to add the Hive of the Eye Tyrants. Uh, we get two Blights that pathway with the deck, four Blood Fell Caves, Five Mountain, Five sw- Seven Swamp. This deck does suffer a lot from the mana base here. Uh, we don't get the good untapped new... Lane. We don't get Haunted Ridges because they were like, that's a vampire travel deck. Here's uh, some vampire castles instead. Cool, thanks. But mana base aside, minus Thoughtseize, we're playing for Duress instead, minus the two... Um... Oh, that's what I meant to say. Sorry, forget the Soul Rippers. Uh, that should be four Oni Call Anvils. That that was where I messed up with the deck list. Gotcha, yeah. The besides like the mana base and the thought seizes and like, hey, if you really want to play for Meat Hook Massacre, we have the whole core of the blood deck. Right. Which I think is pretty exciting. Um, you know, the mana base is gonna hold this back. Uh, but you know, like I said, if we want to hear more of it, I could talk about the maybe just building this as Rakdos Vampire Aggro. Maybe take this as a more mid-range sack deck. Uh, but yeah, so 50 bucks, we can get Sans Mana Base really, really close to Rakdos Blood, a very, very good deck in the meta right now. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, so Chris, what do you what do you think? Do we we just let the people know if we want to come back to this another time? Um, what do you where do you think where do you stand these deck these challenger decks versus the pioneer challenger decks we had last year? Hmm. I think that the the Pioneer Challenger decks were really good. Again, I think that their main failure, we were really hyped about them, was the price point. And when you brought up the greed um, that they were going to try and take advantage of, which which they, of course, 100% did, it really kind of killed, I think, some of the excitement for them. But now we're seeing some of them be super strong. So uh, I still think that the Pioneer Challenger decks are, are really good. Um, and I think that these only serve to that player base that might want to jump into standard also in case your local metagame does not have as much pioneer. And then you understand kind of how you can take these decks to do them. So obviously these have significantly more value than the pioneer ones did. So that's a little bit frustrating, but, um, you know, I'm excited. We got the pioneer challenger decks. They're looking really strong. They're all pretty relevant still. So, uh, hopefully we get some more coming out soon. Yeah, I, I do think that comparatively, yeah, like obviously these don't hold a candle to the Pioneer ones, but I do think your dollars to deck list, when you look at like the mono red deck, you look at the spirits deck mana base, these just kind of blow them out of the water, it feels like. Yes, as far as how competitive they are in their format. Yes. I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that, you know, again... It's tough to say because, again, of how competitive I do think that they were, you know, with the exception of the Spirits one. But I I definitely do agree that the value is better as far as the cards you're getting. But these don't seem like super competitive standard decks to me. Like, they seem fine. Maybe the red-green one's good just because Ranger Class can win you some games. So I, I really do think that it depends on 
what angle you're looking at from some angles these absolutely do blow the, the pioneer ones out of the water but i do think they got it pretty right as far as which challenger decks they made for us in in pioneer yeah now um so obviously on reddit today it it looks like it's a it was faked now but there was a potential leak for some challenger decks to for pioneer to come out later this year um the decks that uh, air quotes leak but again possibly most likely faked now uh, ended up being in uh, Azorius and soul four color ascendancy, uh, Naya Winoda and Rakdos sack. Honestly, I think three out of four of those decks are great choices. I was really curious to see what their ascendancy deck list would have been, but I think if they can, if they keep the $50 price point and build new challenger decks with, this mentality that these decks look like they're designed with, with value you're getting out of them, I think another round of Pioneer Challenger decks could really kill it. What what do you like say those decks are do end up being real? Uh do you like that deck selection? For standard? Or for the new no, ones? No, no, no. The well, again, the most likely they're probably right, been right, the yes, they pro- they might be fake, yeah. What do you what do you think of that deck lineup? Like I, I think you probably take out the four color sensi deck list and put something else in there. Uh, but I, you know, we talked about this a few weeks, like a month or so ago, and I think these decks line up a lot with some of the ideas we thought could be good challenger decks. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, those would be huge, huge home runs. And before we kind of figured out they were mostly, uh, you know, mostly fake or most likely going to be uh, fake. We were super excited for them because they seemed like very, very good choices for the metagame, right? Solid tier two floating out of a tier one and tier two decks that, um, could do really well for us. But again, it seems a little odd they would do them so close when the first ones didn't do super hot, at least uh, initially. And, uh, you know, but th- those would be bangers. I think we were super excited for those, and even just the potential of those. And and hopefully they see the excitement that fake post got and, and maybe go, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? There's some hype for this. Yeah. Well, I mean, compared to how well the standard ones even sell, I wouldn't say they were a flop in how they sold because I, I do think stores sold out of them, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see them sitting on big box shelves. I occasionally, you know, I know they went, made it to big box and I've seen a few floating around here and there. Um, so I don't want to say they're a total failure, especially when you compare them to the success of some of the past standard challenger decks. But yeah, I, I do think that it was pretty clear that the price point. And again, let's be clear here. The price point kind of out of, it's really weird. You get into the weird gray area on there's no SRP anymore. So really it's kind of the distributors gouging the, the LGS that were buying the, the challenger decks from the distributors. Mm-hmm. But then again, what are the distributors buying them from Watsi at? Like everyone has to make their money somewhere. We could keep talking forever about how the challenger challenger decks were just the disappointing price point. Um, and again, that's no fault of your LGS. That's fault of wizards and the distributors. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know what I would replace the four color sentency decklist with, but I do like the other three choices. If these decks end up being real, uh, I'm just <laughs> the, the mana base of four color sentency would be real rough. And, as, and like Ricky said, nobody at Watsi even knows what the four color sentency deck is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely uh, agree with that. Right. Yeah. But anyway, um, is there is there anything you would have changed that deck lineup? Hmm. Man, on the fake post. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I, it's hard to, it's hard to say. Like, I think you could definitely, um, dream 
but I think that, you know, again, the, the Phoenix mana base is just a little bit too crazy. And, you know, I don't know how you get Naya Winota going there, but uh, I thought the deck was were pretty interesting. I thought they were like fun decks that are, except for Ascendancy, like pretty reasonable to understand what you're doing and all that. So sure, like I could nitpick, but if they announced those, would I be extremely excited? Absolutely. You know, and I think that's the important part is like if the, if those were real, I would be stoked. So, uh, you know, I don't want to nitpick it too much. Like there are definitely some decks that I think would be would be interesting, but um, I'm happy with those for sure. For sure. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I want to shout out to the Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Uh, if you want to help the sh- support the show, keep the show going. Be sure to give us a look there and pick one of our tiers available for patrons. Um, the swag bag this month did include Neon Dynasty cards that I am still waiting to show up. So I am hoping to get swag bags in the mail this weekend. Uh, if not, you know, expect them very, very early next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did pick some fun cards. So be sure to look out in your mailbox for those when they do ship out. Uh, and then, yeah, be sure to check out playingpioneer.com for some great new Pioneer content. Uh, the YouTube channel, I have the episode two of the Pioneer Progression series with Ricky and myself coming out on that uh, at the end of this week. So it should be up either by the time you're hearing this episode or it'll be up on Saturday. Not quite sure my editing schedule just yet on that, uh, but RTR was a lot of fun. Gate Crash was definitely exciting as well, and I'm looking forward to keep growing and adding to our pools as we go forward in this series. Uh, Chris, where can everyone find you on the social medias? You can find me on the tweeters at it's underscore Christmas, and the Christmas has no T. And of course, you can find me at Crew3Podcast, where I tweet about all kinds of cool pioneer stuff I got going on tweeting out pictures of all the fun just non-pioneer collectibles and stuff i buy i've got this 3d printer now sitting next to me so i might uh post some 3d print stuff as i mm-hmm. try to learn and enjoy this new hobby i have picked up uh but other than that you can find me at crew three pot crew three mtg on twitch and youtube uh i'm streaming just on sundays now uh with the wedding coming up and just work and just being tired all the time now i'm going back to the gym um so really cuts into streaming time but you know i'm going to try to hit at least that one sunday stream a week we'll probably start running leagues again on the stream the vod will be up on the monday or tuesday after the stream so if you can't check the stream out be sure to check it out there uh that will do it for this week we'll talk to you all next time thanks for listening bye bye